Like many of you, we battled depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face. Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox. And now, the When Words Fail Music Speaks interview. of Matthew and Callum Bennett, the project initially began in 2013 as a way of helping Callum's confidence, but snowballed into something that neither of them uh, could have predicted. Their music is built around creative lyrics and tightly woven imaginative dual vocals, um, combining the aggression of metal and the verbal skills of hip-hop with the energy of youth and the experience of age. They create hybrid songs that are a fusion of high-energy rap, electronic, metal, and dance music. They have performed all over the country, uh, written uh, for award-winning TV shows and films, and have been uh, featured on the TV um, Asahi in uh, Japan and uh, other worldwide streaming services. In 2019, they were chosen to be the face of the Give Us a Break anti-bullying campaign, uh, and their charity song Spectrum uh, gained nationwide coverage. A common phrase heard at any of their performances is, I don't normally like rap, but I like that. Uh, energy, skill, and uh, passion transcends uh, genres. So without uh, any further ado, please welcome FMA and 12 Gauge uh, to the show. How you doing, guys? Hi, we're doing cool. Good. We need, we need a, like, a huge like ovation after all that. I know. Um, yeah, yeah. We also need to add at the end that we're both really annoying to like kind of make up for all the... Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, we do. So, we need, yeah. We, we, we really need something annoying. at the end. Yeah. yeah. They're also really yeah. annoying. <laughs> so well you didn't hear it from me so <laughs> okay <laughs> oh, no. so let me ask you this hearing that for I, I don't know how much you heard of that you know whether it's uh tween times or just hearing it for the first time um did y'all think that you would do this much in this short in this short amount of time um being a being um, i mean being a like a rap group Mm. I don't know where to start. Do do you want to go first, Callum? Like and explain? Yeah, yeah. Because this um, is like such a complicated and huge story. Also, okay. I've got a really naughty cat who's yeah. trying her best to be as noisy as possible. Oh, and no. Sit on all my work. Okay. Oh, she's fine. So, so just <laughs> so you know, if you hear anything or I disappear off camera, it's because she's either throwing up somewhere or she's sat on her work. <laughs> I got you. Yep, yep. But yeah, sorry. Go on, Callum. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we kind of started. So. Pretty much this whole thing, it's it, it's a big story. So when my dad was younger than he is now, um, he was in a band called For My Anger. That's where the FMA comes from, like the abbreviation. And pretty much they like they were like hardcore heavy metal, and mm-hmm. they used to gig around Preston and they did tours and stuff like that. And then how you put it dad is that an evil record producer came along and promised them the world and then everything fell through and it kind of sucked like the heart out of the band and kind of destroyed his love for music simultaneously while that's happening i've watched him on stage as like a kid like five or six and i fall in love with the idea of being a musician i don't know what i want to do yet but i love the idea of being on a stage and just the power that you have and all of that stuff. And it was like, whoa, that's what I want to do. So then throughout like all of my childhood and like young teenage years, 
I'm thinking, what can I do? Like, oh, I, I wanted to be a DJ at one point. I wanted to learn how to play the guitar. But all those things take patience, which yeah. teenagers don't have. Well, I didn't have as a teenager. Some do. <laughs> um, so I, I never really, I, I knew I wanted to perform and I knew I wanted to perform with my dad. That was always the thing. I remember really distinctly as a teenager thinking, oh, I should go away and learn how to play guitar and write a song and then randomly just turn up and play the song for him and he'll be well impressed. Or if I'm a DJ, imagine if I was a DJ in his band and all this other stuff, like, you know, teenage kid sort of stuff. Yeah. And then there was a day when we were driving somewhere. I, I forget where it was, but my dad was in the car and they played Eminem. And in my head, I just started to fall in love with rap. And I just loved rap. And then one of my friends at school was like, oh, yeah, da, 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 there's learn how to rap lessons. And me being the cocky teenager that I am, and they're like, I already know how to rap, mate. <laughs> I had no idea how to do it. Yeah. But yeah. being the cocky teenager, I was like, yeah, 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 I, I, I know how to rap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then on the bus back, um, I remember I, would, I had a notebook in my pocket and I just started writing in the notebook. And that became like my obsession like i used to sit in the back room listening to like dmx like yeah. his like first album and just writing and then like i found mop and all this other stuff and i just kept writing yeah. and that was what kind of got me through being a teenager and then i had to move in with my dad and to me at that point in time because of everything that had happened when i was a kid it was like having access to eminem in yeah. my living room so every day It'd be, Dad, I found this beat. Dad, listen to this. Dad, Dad, I've done this. Dad, 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 Dad. So essentially, I kind of bullied him into music, like coming back into music. I just kept annoying him until he felt the need to do it. Yeah, and yeah. then my mum approached us um, to do a gig for yeah. my like confidence at that time. I had a really bad stutter at that time. And she approached us to do this gig to help with my confidence. And it was meant to be a one-time gig. And it pretty much snowballed, like we said, like in the intro, it just snowballed from there. Right. Do you want to talk for a bit, Dad? I feel like I've talked uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, Callum was just having issues when he was a teenager and stuff. And like, uh, we're going back down another route now. Um, so when I was younger... I had a very difficult time. I'm autistic and I was diagnosed at the age of 36, but I didn't know. Obviously I didn't know this when I was a teenager. And so when I was a teenager, I found alcohol. It was like the most important thing in the world because suddenly the world became easy and all the sen all these sensory issues that I had I that I didn't know I had because I thought everyone felt the same. It eased them all and it made talking to people so much easier and so I just went mad. I have such an obsessive brain. It, like, I, if something gets into my brain, it just becomes like, that's the thing that I have to think about and do. Uh, and so by the age of 21, I was like almost dead in rehab. Uh, and I'd gone to rehab like for alcohol addiction. And I was in rehab. And like, this is real rehab, not the celebrity rehab. So I was there right. for one and a half years. That's a record as well in that rehab. No one's ever been there for as long <laughs> as I have. Um, <laughs> So, but then they let me out, like when I kept, not let me out, but when I came out, I moved into this flat here, but my addiction issues still carried on. They'd like reprogram my brain when it came to alcohol, but the addictions didn't stop because I didn't know I was autistic. And so that carried on and carried on and carried on and carried on. 
And then when Callum came to live with me, it's because Callum was having issues as well, which was similar to what I'd had. And so it was like, I knew exactly what to do with Callum because I did exactly what should have been done with me, which is someone should have just grabbed me and just been like, you're not getting out of my sight and I'm going to teach you things, not just tell things. It was like, that's the important thing about like getting better. You need to learn why, how, do you know what I mean? It's not just one thing. It's not like, oh, don't drink because it's bad. It's like, don't drink because you're drinking to hide something, which then in turn damages something. It's like this whole mass of things and people don't, like explain that at all so i did this with callum but then he came to live with me and like he said he started doing all these raps and things to me and i'd, I'd even said to my friend yeah he's going to end up getting me back into music i know um and then this gig came about this gig offer and like i said me and like callum said we just wrote these songs and it was just meant to be a one-time thing but the crowd they were instantly into it like a father and a son the energy on stage is unlike anything else because of the the chemistry and the bond um so you've got that but then because we're the same, me and Callum are the same, like, same blood. We work with each other in a way that I've never worked with anyone before. Right. And so it just, like, we did that, and then we just kept doing stuff. But, like, during that time, I was still really lonely. I found it hard to make friends. And then all of a sudden, at the age of 36, I was diagnosed with autism, and everything suddenly made sense. And I understood how important creativity was to me and why these songs and these performances was so important to me and they're also so important to Callum it's our way of like um finding purpose within this world and dealing with the stuff that goes on in our heads because I've given Callum a lot of talent and a lot of skill that I've handed down but I've also handed down a lot of negative things like in my mind like the obsessiveness or the self-esteem issues and things Callum's inherited all of them and so we both use creativity and our songs and any creation that we make as a way of like just therapy and making ourselves feel good and like feeling like we belong in the world so yeah so uh we released two eps and we released an album and now we're working on our second album um yeah and that takes us up to here now yeah that's that is awesome and like a common theme on this show uh that we've you know we're 200 something episodes into it now and a common thing that comes up in just about every episode is like the healing power that music can have and uh, yeah you know kind of pulling you out of those spots and kind of making sense of things when they just don't seem to make sense, no matter how hard you try. And um, that's, yeah. that's a really beautiful story. Like I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to you guys explain that. That's amazing. Thank you. It gets oh, more beautiful. It was like, there's like awesome. these bits like with rainbows where we're dancing on rainbows, aren't we Callum? And like leaping yeah. across the yeah. lily pads and singing and stuff, but we left oh, them yeah, out that because day. we don't have time sure. for that right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no time for all the lilies. <laughs> yeah. 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 I get but, it. Um, yeah, but there's something special between the son and the father because I'm more connected to my dad than my mom. And mm. my mom loves that about about us. She would rather me be more connected to him than her, which I totally understand. Yeah. But just some some kind of connect, and it's and it's very powerful that you said that you don't want Callum to be like you were back then. You know, you you need some kind of reinforcement. Say, like, hey, man, that's not the way to go. You need to come over here. Let's do it. You know. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. I, lo- I, 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 I love that about you all. Thank you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. No, but it's like, oh, sorry, we're going down a different route, but it's like, no, no, the, and my cat, just hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Should be up to something. Go on, Jack. Yeah. Gotta let them out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I think, I think that's one thing that's missing from a lot of parenting and stuff these days. It's like mm. people, rather than treating the children as equals, there's this, disconnect and i think it's come through technology and all sorts of things and it's like there are definite lines between generations now 
Um, and it's like you need to bridge those gaps to connect with your children, but people don't do it. It's like there's adults and then there's kids. All the kids are just misbehaving, and yet the adults never ever once think, yeah, I used to do that when I was that age. And they don't mm. ever bring themselves down to that level and think, why are you doing that? Oh, yeah, I identify with that. It's For some reason, it's like there's this weird point where people pass and they're like, I'm, uh, yeah, it's just weird because I've never <laughs> ever forgotten how to be a child, ever. Right, yeah. Mm. yeah. So, yeah. Callum, let me ask you this. Um, when you uh, were, when when your moment of clarity was, I want to do this with my dad, mm. did you have other dreams before that happened? Because as a, as a young boy or young, young daughter, mm. we dream about, you know, going to the stars, going to the moon. You know, I wanted to be yeah. like a race car driver, this, this, and this, and this, you know. But did you have any other um, aspirations before before music took, music took your life? Um, Over, I guess. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, I I can't remember anything else. Like okay. I remember being in like primary school, like the like youngest school in in England and the UK, and making like this weird acapella rock tribute thing with like four of my mates, and we were this like rock band in like you know school, and it was called like Rock Like the Stone, which was a name that Dad gave me. And I remember that. So it's like, it's this really weird through line when I look back that music and wanting to be involved in it has always been there. I just never knew how. And yeah, and it has just been a constant, like Dad said, like creativity. Like even if it's, I was like making up games and like playing like games and stuff like that, it was always creative and it was always to do with music. Yeah. 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 Same question for 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 Matthew. Did uh, you have other uh, like like aspirations, or did you uh, like yeah? Music is it? I wanted to be a ghost hunter. Oh, cool! When nice. when I when I was twelve years old, I found a book in my library um, on all paranormal things, and a lot of it was fake. And like, so it started off a lifelong love of the paranormal and so like when i was younger i'd be like oh yeah i want to i want to go and investigate all these things because like i have this also have a fascination with being scared like safe scared not real scared right, so i love right. watching horror films and stuff like that because it's not real and it's like that's so much fun real yeah. life fear that's a different thing but like there's this like yeah i've always loved that but that um yeah but then when i was 13 um no no i discovered first it was alice cooper then it was guns and roses then it was Nirvana, and then f from that point, Smashing Pumpkins, and then it was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to play guitar, and I want to sing. Yeah. And so I started a band, and I, I played guitar and sang, but not sang, screamed, because I don't can't hold a tune. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, I can't do both these things to the level that I want them to do. So I just scrapped the guitar, and I just started focusing on vocals, and there, from there it like grew. But I'd always, what before that point, loved words. So I loved writing stories and all these things. And I loved horror. And horror is a huge thing that keeps coming back into my lyrics and all sorts of things. I love being able to write lines that make you feel just odd. Like, not like Cannibal Corpse, where it's just obvious on yeah. the nose all the way through. But like, if you can write something which is just off, like the Uncanny Valley, but like with words, if yeah. you can do that and create these moments which keep repeating, you can create real feelings of unease and stuff in like... I like yeah so it's just it's a love of writing it's a love of music it's just a love of creating things yeah um, yeah going back to what you said before i got two questions from what you said before um what is your favorite um scary movie of all time 
You can't ask that question because that's like saying what's your favorite video game of all time it's not one uh, i can give you a list i can give you a few that i consider great give me like three sure three yeah. well okay we'll we'll talk about not favorites we'll talk i don't know oh right okay texas chainsaw massacre i think is just yes. an absolute masterpiece right. because if you go back and watch that to see what's actually in it there's no go really anywhere there's no real disgusting things at all but you come out with it with such an ugly feeling that right. it's just like so immense and i also love their bravery like uh shooting a lot of it in the daylight i love that because like yeah. there's like all these really tr easy tricks in me in uh, scary movies like make people jump put them in the dark use music and it's like chainsaw massacre just got rid of all that oh because it's like the bit where he's chasing through the woods and the only soundtrack is a chainsaw right and her screaming it's like what the hell <laughs> After i watched that with my brother for the first yeah. time we were both <laughs> it was so funny because at the end of it we like what the hell are we watching <laughs> oh yeah uh no so texas chainsaw massacre there is um uh a bbc like pseudo documentary called ghost watch have you ever heard of that i have not it came out before Blair Witch. It's the first ever TV thing that said it was true when it was on. Right. And this thing affected me more than anything else. Because, like, this was around when I was 12. And uh, I'd got into ghosts. And so I was reading all these books. And one of these stories was the Enfield Poltergast about two young yep. girls. And, like, they were haunted. And then Ghost Watch was this BBC pseudo documentary. So it had all these real presenters, but it was all scripted. And it was so cleverly done, but they based the story on the Enfield Poltergeist. So when I saw these two girls and the mum, I thought we really were in, in the Enfield Poltergeist. And it wasn't at any point said that it was a lie. And so as the thing went on, it just got scarier and scarier and scarier. Because I believed in that yeah. stuff. And I believe what I was watching was real. It took me to a place of terror that I've never, ever experienced before. And it was right. like, it's permanently like affecting me. But if you get a chance, watch Ghost Watch, a BBC um, okay. pseudo documentary so ghost watch texas chainsaw massacre that's two and that's yeah that's two one. yeah, yeah. i'm gonna ask next caitlin so get ready I'm oh yeah, yeah 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 i'm ready okay all right well, <laughs> i'm going okay to... okay good. right we'll go with the grudge it's not the uh, these yeah. three i wouldn't necessarily say oh it's so hard You've... Oh, it's <laughs> <so difficult. laughs> so, the grudge <laughs> i'm choosing the grudge because Every time I watch it, it's just as scary. It always creeps me out. There's yeah. just something about The Grudge, which is just a really, really frightening film. Yeah. But there's, I could list so many more for so many oh, yeah, different reasons. Yeah. But mm. I'm, I'm going with both three. And, there you uh, go. Another, uh, another question for you before we get to Caleb's section. Um, now, you mentioned a band that is near and dear to my heart, and I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I knew you were going to come back to, to that. How how important it is for me, and I hope it's the guy that's important for you too, Nirvana. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, the, 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 uh, you're probably going to hit me for this again, but whatever. <laughs> What's your favorite Nirvana song? Mine is. Yes, I've got it. In Bloom. <laughs> In yeah. Bloom, no, man, Scentless Apprentice. Nice, nice, yeah. I just love how noisy and horrible that song is. <laughs> I, I, it, I absolutely yeah. love it. Like, right. it's just, uh, it, it's it's like an assault on your senses. Yeah. And, like, I'd listened to all Nirvana stuff up until that point. Yes. And that was when I was like, wow, this is like, I love this. Right. I love how ugly it sounds. Right. Uh uh, because they didn't make they made a neutral, didn't they, to just mess with everyone? Because like Nevada never minded, propelled them to like mainstream oh, yeah. success. Yeah. So they made the most noisy, ugly album that they could. And I think Scentless Apprentice is just absolute. It's a 
a beautiful masterpiece yeah. of noise. Yeah, yeah, I really love that song. Because yeah, I never, I never heard or seen any other band besides Nirvana that can that can literally single handedly take out one genre, and that genre was hair metal. Hair metal yeah. went out, new grunge Done. came in, and boom. <laughs> Yeah. I do remember, like, the first time I ever heard Teen Spirit on MTV, I genuinely got goosebumps and tingles, and I've never ever felt that with another song ever yeah. again. It was like, the first time I heard it, I was like, what the hell, this is this is just immense. Like, right. that yeah. don't, 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 and it was just like, it created a feeling in me that no song has ever created before. It was just, right. it was so weird. It's like, yeah, it was madness. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. Okay, tell them, <laughs> favorite horror movie, three favorite horror, horror movies. And then the okay. and then the Nirvana song. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, if you like Nirvana, <laughs> I don't know if you're a Nirvana fan, or you can. I've I've only ever heard what you've played me, and I think it was what was it? Um, Sleepless Apprentice is S- that S- it? Sleepless you, Apprentice. Sleepless Apprentice. Sleepless Apprentice. Yeah. Okay. But then there's also so... Milk It. I really love Milk It too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. They're all great. No, so, no. I mean... Sentless Apprentice because of a rhythm. I love rhythm in music. That's Sentless Apprentice. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, um, yeah. So um, horror movies, though. Oh, yeah. um, my three would probably be. Oh, I should have been thinking about this really. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, wreck. If you've ever seen that, I was going to choose oh Red Cow, but then I was yeah. like, no, that's I'm choosing the, different That's ones. the best. I love that one. Mm. It has some yeah. kind of like a stalkerish, kind of creepy. But yeah, man. Yeah. Mm. Good pick. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yes, there's Wreck. There's what? The Alien as well. The original <laughs> Alien. And I yeah, would. Oh, sorry. I'll shut up. Just let you talk. Sorry. Yeah, Dad. Yeah, Dad. I'm just picking up everything that you left. I know, <laughs> no, no. But uh, part of me wouldn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I consider Alien or Aliens horror films. Yeah, but that's yeah, because we're so far removed from it. Because <laughs> Alien was on the ship and that was super scary, so that would be a horror movie. Yeah, I know, but like, oh, I'm interrupting Callum. Callum, you carry on. I'll just keep talking. Okay. Audio, sorry. <laughs> and and the final one. Um... <gasps> oh, the thing by John Carpenter. Was, oh, well, I was yeah. gonna say. I was literally just about to the say. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you should yeah, be giving me ten. I feel robbed. Ah, sorry. Feel we'll, robbed. we'll have you back next time, and we can you, you can give oh, us twenty of them. Okay? There are there are also two that um I would also like to say just for the people watching if they're into horror movies or both of you if you've not seen them. Uh, the first one is Lake Mungo. Oh, Lake Mungo is immense. Yeah. Sorry, Callum. Oh my god. <laughs> and the second and the second one is um the host. It's a British horror. Movie that was me. Yeah, I should have gave you twenty, man. I should have given you. Should have. Yeah, the host. The host. Yeah, the host is a horror film made over Zoom. Like they made it during lockdown. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's absolutely. They filmed it during lockdown. They're in 2020. Yeah, the whole thing is filmed on. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well impressive. Honestly, it is also about that film has given me this like fear of Zoom calls. Whenever yeah, I'm in so a Zoom call, weird, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's also that thing where the I feel like it uses it really well of that fear yeah. of you're not in the same place. So yeah. you, you could be like shouting at someone, saying something's behind you, and like if they're muted or their like computers messing up, they don't know. Right. And it's like that whole thing of like right now, it's like I saw the door move behind Dad. It's like that type of horror. 
Yeah. Oh no! It's the cat. It's my frigging cat. Yeah, yeah. It is the cat. It is the cat. It's the cat. You know, we hope it's the cat. Yeah, yeah. Good lord. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, um, Matt, I want to ask you this. Um, so what was it like growing up for you? Um, and where did you find music, or did music find you? Me or Callum? You, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well. I don't know. My dad's always been a massive music fan. So he used to play stuff to me ever since I was little, like really, really young, like two or three. And he'd play like uh, tracks from a band called Marillion, which was a prog rock band in the 80s. Uh, and they really influenced me. But he'd play like little bits of songs and I'd be like, oh, I love that bit. And I love that bit. And so like it was something that was always there. And then my mum would listen to like Iron Maiden albums and Meatloaf albums like yeah. every weekend when we were all tidy in the house and we'd listen to them over and then War of the Worlds yes. were, like oh, yeah. that was just terrifying as well but so like music's always been there um so yeah it's just it's always been a part of my life my dad kind of gave me of music and my mum loved it as well so it was never ever it was always just a part of everything and when I started having these dreams of wanting to be a guitarist or whatever I think everyone just thought I was being silly and things but yeah um yeah so it's always been there for me yeah mm. yeah so what was the, the the first um rap song that you heard that you fell in love with because i know like, rap. Rap song. hill gang came out like like did they record the like the very very first rap song the trigger hill gang or am i am i sadly mistaken it was either yeah, him or grandmaster I think they are credited as yeah. that. Well, if yeah. it's not that one, you mean the first first pop one? You mean the first like mainstream yeah, like one? Is that we talking about? Mm. Yeah, yeah, because it was yeah. yeah, it was alive before Ben, but they're like yeah. right, yeah, but that's the one put it on the map. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. No, my first rap song. My first, I don't know what my first rap song was. It was, I don't know, because like my first rap band that I got into was Onyx, but oh, I think yeah. before yeah. that point there was. There was Will Smith with Boom Shaper Room and MC Hammer with Can't Touch Us. Yeah. Um, so I must have heard them before and loved them. But I, there was something about rap. Every time I heard people rapping, because even Guns N' Roses, Axl mm -hmm. Rose kind of rapped. If you like, look back at his lyrics, he wasn't following melodies. He was following floor patterns. It, he was doing it with notes, but yeah. like it wasn't ever simple. And it was always really cool. So I always thought, so like Guns N' Roses were one of the first things that I got into. But like, yeah, I've always loved like the 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 feeling that it creates when you get really tight rhymes yeah. and it like it kind yeah. of draws you along so but yeah, yeah, yeah onyx was my first rap act that i really really loved yeah because you're right because then like paradise City, he kind of raps them yeah 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 raps the chord, yeah. like raps the verse yeah yeah, yeah I, it's yeah because and i find that strange that no one really mentions it but like he did like mm. it wasn't just normal singing what he did right right, right. um tell mm. him how like like what was it, like? Okay, so you 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 grew up with your dad, of course, and uh, he played music for mm. you, right? Uh, which mm. which artist did you fall in love with that he actually uh, played for you? I guess. Oh um, well, what dad played for me? Like this is very weird. Like um, as a kid, like the the music that I kind of got secondhand exposed to. Well, what I like to say is, dad influenced what I create now. Because right. he played me like Slipknot's day, like self-titled EP, yeah. and he played me Onyx when I was yeah. like a kid. So like I was like, yeah, aggressive, angry, 
over everything. If it isn't angry, I don't like it. And then I had my mum. And my mum loved Kate Bush and Tori Amos. And, like, she... What what my mum used to do, and I think it's, like, the sweetest thing ever, is that she would hear a song on the radio, and she'd love that song. So she'd go out and buy the album to listen to that song. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, I had, like, Wu-Tang Clan greatest hits because she liked Gravel Pit. She'd yeah. never listened to the rest of the album, but she she loved Gravel Pit. And yeah. like there was like um what was it? Antichrist Superstar mm-hmm. with like Marilyn Manson because she yes. just liked because yeah. yes. she just liked beautiful people. But yeah. it but it like it, it allowed me to like hear all of these albums and all of this stuff all the time. So like mine and dad's like what we enjoyed like when I was a kid, it was very sort of centered around what dad enjoyed like i loved metal and i loved onyx i didn't like rap but i loved onyx and then as time went on like like i said i heard eminem and then rap became more more prominent and then that was when my mum started randomly going to cd shops and coming home and she'd bought me just rap cds yeah. So like I came home one day from like high school and I had like yeah, Cypress Hill greatest yeah. hits on the table. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, man. and like yeah. and like I'm I'm like 14 and then the first song is like hits from a bong right. and I'm like mom, yeah. mom, what? 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 Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like what my mum said was she didn't want to be kind of linking into what dad was saying about like looking down on kids and having this like degree of separation when you're a parent. Right. Like yeah. like one thing my mum never did and I, I will completely credit her for it, is when I was listening to all of this really hardcore gangster rap of this really heavy, angry metal, mm. she never came in the back room and told me to shut up and go upstairs. Yeah, She'd, like, wait until I was gone and then, I don't know, listen to, like, orchestral music and be like, thank God he's gone. But, <laughs> um, but what she decided to do, which I thought was lovely, was she thought, if I love rap that much, I'm going to buy him as much varied stuff from as many different artists as I can. So that yeah. was how I first heard like Cypress Hill and Wu-Tang Clan and Jurassic five and yeah. all these people that I would have never heard if my mum hadn't just randomly went to a shop and went, you know what? I'm going to get Callum this or I'm going to get yeah. him this. And that led, I think to me being a lot more of a rap centered fan than dad is. Because I see dad being on like the metal side, like FMA. I keep calling you dad, dad. FMA. It's FMA. fine. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So FMA, um, pretty much like I see him as having all this knowledge of all metal, which I don't really have. Mm-hmm. But I have like extensive knowledge of all of these like rappers and underground rappers that whenever I play FMA, I love his reaction to it, which is like, I'm bored. <laughs> they're, not, they're not doing anything interesting. I'm bored. Yeah. But I'm there like, have you not heard the rhyme scheme? Are you not listening to what I'm hearing? And that's kind of how I see also the band working as well. Uh, that's yeah. how I see, you know, we get that really nice sort of middle ground where it isn't, I'd say, so metal that it's like alienating rap fans and it's not so rap that it's alienating every other fan who doesn't you know really like that stuff it's like this like really perfect middle ground right yeah Yeah, i see what we do is metal without the metal it's like it's all about the energy that you create and that's what music's about and if you've got that energy then it don't really matter what sounds are behind it that's right Mm. 
Exactly right. And I, I think that that's so true across every single genre, subgenre uh, that you can uh, throw out there is it doesn't necessarily have to be cookie cutter, everything exa- exactly the same. You can have a punk rock song that doesn't sound like a punk rock song as long as yeah. the attitude is there, as long as the, the heart is yeah. there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all about passion and like love and energy. And it's like there's so much of that gone nowadays because it's just yeah. a product that's sent out. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's what I get, I get. That's what Callum's talking about when he shows me stuff. Yeah. It's like, I, where is that thing that like, grabs me and that? It feel that's what I don't feel in what Callum's showing me. So what I'm yeah. saying there, Callum, is your music shit. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. You heard it here. <laughs> <Don't mention> it. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, Callum, what I love hmm. about you was you mentioned a band that that hasn't been talked to in several years. That that that, that I think right. That band hmm. is Wu Tang Clan. Oh uh, man, I w- I wasn't the biggest fan, but I respected them because they were like. 18 guys on, on one stage. I'm like, oh my God, oh, yeah. this is great. <laughs> but see, what I'm most mad about about them is um, they recorded, um, I don't know if Blake wants to look it up, but they recorded their latest album. That that won't be released until 80 years from now or, or from like, <laughs> like 10 years ago. Yeah. Something I'm going to be... I still like, hate that guy. I forget what the story yeah, was, but like there's a, like a millionaire out there who's like bought... Yeah. What was it? It was like the unreleased demo album. No, and it was no, like no, the, the sequel. Full, the full album. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he bought it for $2 yeah. million. Dollars. It got yeah, raided and, by the and he's police. Got it. And then they. He's, it, yeah. he's, he's got it in like a safe, hasn't he? And he said that like it doesn't get released until he dies. Yeah. What an idiot. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. right? It's like, really sad. And, yeah. the, and, yeah. the, and the most um, upsetting thing is they did the song with Cher. That mm. sounds so great. And I want it now. I but, but we yeah. gotta. We, we, I guess we gotta wait until he dies or eighty years goes by. And I'll be yeah. And I'll whichever be, one. Awful. Yeah. Mm. Some of us probably won't be able to <laughs> experience that, unfortunately. But no, I'll that's really it. really sad. And yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I, and I don't think I'll walk with this ever again when I'm eighty years old or something. You know, I gotta walk. <laughs> yeah. With so, yeah. Show off the whip. Yeah. <laughs> Show off the whip. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, but 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 Wu Tang Clan, I I don't think they're that they're forgotten. I just think they're, that that they're a like a memorable relic that needs to be yeah, you know come yeah. back and you know get back in that's, the uh, game again. Yeah, that's like, like that's the thing. Which go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, no, no, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, well, what I think is like really cool about like just music in general and genres and creating anything. And this yeah. is why, like, I find it really annoying when, like, people start out and people are like, oh, yeah, you sound like X person or you sound like this person. Because nothing at this point with creativity in any form, nothing is, like, truly original. Right. And you can always see, like, through lines. Like, I mean, like, no one at this point in rap or lyricism in general is going to find a word that has not been rhymed. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So when right, like, right. so when there's like rappers out there who are there like, oh yeah, he stole my idea, he stole my thing, and they're getting like really annoyed of these like minuscule things, and I'm there like, mate, <laughs> yeah. we yeah. all just write songs, and it's all been done. Go on. Then, yeah. mate, no, if like if you know multiple languages and you can write a rap where you're changing okay, language here we go. Here we from go. word <laughs> to word and word, I don't think anyone's mm-hmm. done that. That would be cool. 
it, and it's all rhyming and it makes yeah. sense that would be yeah. immense right yeah now now just <laughs> go. learn how to fluently speak every language on the planet <laughs> i will no problem our next most, our co next most code is part of it as well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, everything rhyming binary um yes. yeah but um <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's that thing, like, I was talking, I forget where I was talking to about it, but it, was, it wasn't it was a rap fan, and I was talking about um, the Notorious B.I.G. Tupac East Coast versus West Coast yeah. thing, because they just could not comprehend how musicians get that angry at each other that something yeah. like that can kick off. So then I explained, like, loosely, because, I mean, I'm from England, I loosely explained, like, oh, yeah, it was also intrinsically entwined with, like, gang culture and all that stuff. But also what you have to realize, like I was saying to them, is that rap, for some reason, people treat it like a sport. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, yeah. compared to, like, metal, if, like, I don't know, one rock or metal band said, I don't like this other metal band, mm -hmm. odds are you... you may hear about it in an interview and it's going to be like yeah they're shit i don't yeah, like the music right. and that's probably going to be the end of it. Right, right yeah, yeah. Right. whereas with like rap i find it so kind of like fascinating and odd is that someone can say one little thing in an interview or there can be something like subliminal in a verse and then another rapper yeah will yeah, then create five songs back to back mm. having yep. like you know having a go at his mum, having a go at this, having a go at that, and then it escalates to real life, and then it becomes, like, something else, and then it's, like, cruise, and it's, like, all this stuff. And I just find it, like, so insane, because the thing I see rap as now, after, you know, listening to a metric shit ton of it, is yeah. that it's, like, I see it as a medium where it's, like, you could do... You could be, like, gangster rappers, and you could talk about you know, the poverty-stricken area that you lived in and you got out of. Or you could just rap about, I don't know, a corner shop mm. and going and buying bread. Or yeah. you could, <laughs> like, there's, like, storytellers, like, even Slick Rick used to be, like, the original, like, storyteller, you know, rapper and shit like yeah. that. And there's that part of me where I'm there, like, why are we all so simultaneously egotistical and fragile at the same time? Right. But if you think someone's dissed you subliminally in the fourth bar of a verse, you're going to be there like, oh my God, that's it. I'm going <laughs> to lose my mind. Right. And I'm just like, it's it's just art and music. and Yeah. Unless you're, yeah. Unless you're MGK versus Eminem and then you, and then oh, there's God, like a direct mate. attack. <laughs> it's like, I don't, you know, but uh, yeah, but going back to um, what you said about artists stealing other stuff is like, you really can't steal any stuff in this. Yeah, you do exactly. It like, 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 like verbatim, because music's oh, yeah. been around for years, and and there's so many uh, stuff you can add on to music, take away from music, like, like, because mm. I remember um, uh, some boy band, uh, what's it, and and they had what's happening, like, you know, you know, the intro for some pour some trick on me by Def Leppard. And mm. and and they were arguing about that, and then the drummer was like, "I'm not gonna sew them. We, there's too many, you know, entries to give these these to actually sew them, you know, because yeah, yeah, because yeah. I yeah, exactly. you have 24 frets, um, six strings. You could do yeah, like, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah, there's so, only yeah, there's so all... many 
Yeah, yeah, there's only only so much. It's just your view and your take on how it's yeah. meant to be. Right. Yeah. It's just mad. Yeah, because I heard like a new metal song, like like recent, like a recent metal song the other day, which sounded like immigrant song. It had the same yeah. kind of rhythm, and yeah. it's like you can only do so much. You've just got to do the mm. best that you can with what you've got. Yeah. Um, that's it, and just hope that you write something that connects with people. But that also goes back to like passion and energy. And it's like if mm. it's real, then. It's like that's what matters. It's it's the feeling behind it more than anything. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, definitely. So Matthew, I got a question for you. Okay, so I was on your YouTube the other day, and and for everybody, go to uh, YouTube.com uh, at FMA Twelve Gauge. Um, yep. And twelve is one, two, twelve. Yeah. Um, so yep. uh, it's, it's oh, Gage is G A G E as well. It's not. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not, that's not, Callum's yeah. middle name. That's his yeah. middle name. Nice. nice. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Like um, so you stated where you found out where um where you were diagnosed with autism, and we talked about that before. Uh, in, in the video, you said everything changed, but nothing, but nothing changed. Uh, yeah. Would you please explain to us more in that? Uh, going like nothing has changed, but everything has changed. What 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 did you mean by that? Well, it's like so. I live my life. It's like, and the way I like to refer to it is, it's like a twist at the end of a good film where you've seen where everything, absolutely everything that you need to understand what's coming, you've seen and you've witnessed and you've experienced and you've been there for every single part of it. Not a single part of that has been kept secret from you. Okay. But then, you, at one point, you get told one little thing, like the butler did it, or you're autistic. <laughs> Right. And then everything, then retroactively, you go from this point in time. So you've gone on one line a long time, then you get to this point in time, and then everything before that point changes. Right. Even though it's all exactly the same, it, yep. you, you just view it from a slightly different angle. Right. And I think that's the best way I've got of coming up with it. It's like a really good twist at the end of a film, like Fight Club. Yep. You find out Tyler Durden. Oh, don't don't want to give any spoilers. Spoilers. Someone might not have seen it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like, thirty years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that because there were no, yeah. there was nothing hidden at any point. It was all so right. there. But but that's what I mean. Nothing changed. Yeah. Everything changed, but nothing changed because right. yeah. reality didn't change. I didn't change. I was still the right. exact same still person. You. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just a knowledge that I had changed. Yeah. Mm. In a very yeah. positive way of looking at that, because some people, you know, like they, they take news of that kind of stuff in, in different yeah. ways. And that's a very, <clears throat> excuse me, a very positive way to to look at that. I, I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, it, like I think my one of the biggest telltale signs with me with my autism is uh, the processing speed that I have. So, like, it takes me a long time for things to sink in. So, like. Prince is one of, I think Prince was absolutely amazing, Prince, yeah. but I didn't even feel his death until a year after he died. It was like, oh, Prince has died. And then a year later, I felt a sudden like, oh, Prince oh, has died. <laughs> and, yeah. 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 And, and it's like that. And like when a hero of mine, Rick Mail, uh, who's a British comedian, when he died, I didn't feel anything at the time. I was like, oh, Rick's dead. That's sad. But then a year later, I felt this, this loss. And it's like yeah. when it came to finding out that I had autism, like the amount of time it took for me to truly come to terms with it was quite a long time. And I went through all the stages of grief. It was so crazy. I went I went through a stage of anger. I went through a stage of not believing it. Like it was just madness. And it was just at the end of it, it was acceptance. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the things that really helped me was like my creations. Like that's one thing that I've discovered over the years because I've spent a very long time isolated because I haven't been able to communicate with people. I can talk. But when it comes to the nuances, I don't understand. And if you don't know you're autistic, 
and you're a recovering alcoholic and you can't go out to pubs because they just make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. There's like you kind of kept. So you try and do the things that other people are doing, but it doesn't work, even though you're doing the exact same thing. But the reason it's not working is because you're not seeing all those little bits of body language and all these bits that people don't say out loud and right. people just tend to pick up on. So, um, so yeah, so, it, um, yeah, so I spent a long, long, long time alone. And so that left, I found during that time, I, I was always making things and I found that the things that I created were things about my real life. Uh, but I didn't realize it until after I'd created them. So like I, I wrote a film script, I studied screenwriting at university and like finished top of my class. Mm -hmm. But the film script that I wrote was about a breakup that I'd had. And I didn't do that intentionally. But like, as we create these things, we, we, we've realized me and Callum that you subconsciously write and create about things that are troubling you. And so like creativity is such a healthy thing yeah. to be doing but because of the world and age that we live in where you've got all these knobheads everywhere who just spend their lives trying to destroy other people's lives it's right. a really hard thing for people to be able to find the bravery to do and share and stuff so one of mine and callum's like major like uh goals and stuff is to encourage people to create like don't matter yeah. what you're creating it could be a statue it could be a story it could be a book it could be a picture it could be a song it could be anything all that matters about that creation is that it's helping you because you'll find you'll discover things about yourself and like learn things but yeah like the act of creation really helped me to come to terms with my autism and stuff like yeah yeah uh, because i find nearly all my stories everything that i do is always about one person living in a flat with no friends right and it's like yeah. it's mad it's just mad that like that's just because yeah. i can write that character i know that character really well <laughs> right. <I'm good>. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah okay so thank you for for explaining that because i didn't know exactly yeah. what you meant so that's awesome that you um helped us i uh, helped us understand about that it's okay uh so callum um mm. you're diagnosed with dyslexia d dyslexia correct yeah okay so yeah yeah uh from what I gather is, uh, um, do you have a like a different way of reading things? Like, like correct, or am I like totally off the scale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know like all the nuances of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Really, like everything. But what my mum explained to me the other day, something that she'd heard, could be completely wrong. Please, someone don't fact check me. You know, all this stuff. <laughs> I'm in the um, middle of fact checking you right now, Karen. <laughs> I know, I can right hear now. you typing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so what she said is that um, when you read something, when you're dyslexic or when you, like, process information, you have a, se a separate alphabet in your head. So an A is not an A. There's something in your brain that corresponds with the letter A, and when you read the letter A, you think, "Oh, that shape is that," which makes an "ah" sound. Yeah. So it just it isn't a letter A. Um, the thing that with me and dyslexia, it, it it isn't like I I wouldn't say it's not all like a twist in the end of a film. I had like a very small version of that. Okay. Um, so all the way through high school for me, I struggled a lot. It led to a lot of issues, a lot of similar things that dad went through um but a lot of that stemmed from we have a system in the uk where you have sets so depending on how well you're doing at school you could be in set one so you, you know a star student oh my god amazing. that's the best yeah. yeah and then you could have i think it went down to set nine set seven eight and nine 
set nine are people with like severe learning difficulties yeah um you know needs extra special attention and then seven and eight are usually reserved for people who are bad kids or what is perceived as bad kids people who like talk a lot don't do homework all that crap um i was in set seven to nine all the way through high school i was never above that which kind of gives you this thing um when you're a teenager especially um the i think as you're growing up it kind of gives you this thing in your head where you you kind of view yourself as stupid and because that's all the in the things that you're getting your teacher doesn't really care because Obviously, no, she, they're yeah. overworked and they're in yeah. the bad class with they're all the kids who are talking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're overworked so, and underpaid. So, I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. On 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 the back of that, yeah. now make adult brain. I'm 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 there like God. I wouldn't do your job. I wouldn't yeah. teach me. God, leave me <laughs> right. alone. Yeah. Um, but pretty much, um, yeah. So that was like my experience of high school. I couldn't read very fast. The other thing I've begun to learn now, because you know, you learn new things about yourself all the time is that my auditory processing, um, how I, the speed at which I process information, like dad, is a bit skewed. Like, I could hear something, and in my brain, it'll jumble it all up, and it'll come out as something completely different. So, if I do that, sorry. But, (laughs) yeah, so, pretty much, my experience of that was all the way through high school, feeling like I was stupid, getting put in all these bottom sets with all, like, the bad kids. Yeah never feeling like I could really do anything. And I feel like simultaneously that's what made me write so much when I was a teenager because I understood rap and rhyming words made sense because it was a pattern in my head. And if, you know, go on. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. No, no. So so now that you said that, my next question Hmm. for you is, has it ever or does it ever affect your writing because you have Mm. dyslexia? Or like does that call come mm. come natural because it because it's I mean because of rhyming words essentially mm. right um it, it kind of does multiple things first thing my handwriting is utter shit <laughs> so Minus two, man. anyone anyone who tries to like steal you know my lyrics they're never gonna decipher it right. half of the <laughs> words are right? spelled <laughs> and all of it doesn't make sense but um there's like two other things like two or three other things. The other one is obviously spelling's bad. There are some words that just don't... It's taken me ages to understand the difference between there, they are, and over there. Oh, that's horrible, man. Yeah, yeah, and and I absolutely hate the English language for doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's like like the the English language turned around to every dyslexic and just went, you know what, (laughs) while you're at high school, you're going to have the worst time ever. So uh, apparently, English is just going to be horrible for you. Um, yeah. So apparently, so, we're the only we're the only country that does that because every other country yeah. has one word for yeah. one word. We got like yeah, we yeah. Got like they three have, they have genuine, genuine, yeah, yeah. They have genuine separate words that yeah. you know correspond with what the word actually means. Right. And so there's that. But the <laughs> other two like positives I think about it is that. First, rhyming words, in my head, it's just like literally like a puzzle. It's like words just fit Mm, or a word that sounds similar. It just fits. It's like, I don't know how my brain does it, but it just instantly does it like all the time. Mm. 
um, when I was a teenager, I was like so fast at it. And yeah, because there was a person in my classes, I remember, who told me that what I should do um, is write a word and rhyme that word as many times as I could. So yeah. rather than do my work, I would sit at the back of the class, write a word and see how many times I could rhyme it. And yeah. that's just what I do like every lesson. Um, so my brain's good at that. The other thing my brain is really good at is overthinking and finding meaning in meaningless shit. So I could write something yeah, that makes complete sense to me. And it's the coolest punchline in the world. And it's so clever. And I'm so proud. And then I go running into dad. I'm like, dad, here, listen to this. Yeah. And then he'll, he'll, he'll look at me, tilt his head and be like, what? And then I'll have yeah. to explain <laughs> how all of it fits together. And then yeah. even after I've explained it, he's like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And I'll be like, oh. Yeah, because yeah, that was my next question yeah. for you. Was, uh, yeah. Have you ever wrote something that was like, I think this is like, this is fire right yeah. here. Let me go ask. You know, my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and your dad. Yeah. Like, no, man, that's, that's, you, you need to fix that. All the time, mate. All the time. It is the most annoying thing. <laughs> but, but just because I don't understand it, we don't change the lyrics. Because if, right. if Callum understands it, they matter. Mm. Um, yeah, right. if, and if I need an encyclopedia and an explanation and uh, a PowerPoint to understand it, then that's my issue. Um, <laughs> it makes sense to Callum, but they are—they do make yeah. sense. But he does yeah, need no. to explain them. Some of his lines are extremely clever and complicated. But if you don't have them explained to you, you don't really know what <laughs> he's said, talking about. <laughs> I, I have—I have said um, what what me and Dad joke about is I really want to do a song where I do the most complicated things I can think of. And then at the end of every one, stop the song and explain it. Yeah, <laughs> like, like that would be a funny a PowerPoint song. on like behind me. That could be the like, music video. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like <laughs> it's, it's a half hour long gig. And <laughs> you, I only play one song <laughs> because I'm explaining the song. <laughs> but see, that's the like that's the cool part about music too. Is mm. you know, what could make sense to you may not make mm. sense to another person, but then there may be someone yeah. else who interprets yeah. it. A totally different way from yep. the, the way that you two did like you know in, and that's, it's so mm, universal it's great yeah the entire that's, reason um sorry but the entire reason that i did it was and i love doing it and why i fell so much in love with rap is a there was the first thing of like i was hearing all of these like guys who grew up in these like situations which were like alien to me like yeah. onyx talking about like breaking into someone's house and you know all this other right. stuff and I'd, I'd be like, whoa, I, I really want to, even though it's like really bad to say, but it's like, I wish I could be like that. But what I know now is like, I wish I was that confident to not give a fuck and just say what I want. Right. Sure. And you know right. what I, I, you know, think, um, which I do now. So, you know, that's good. Um, <laughs> and also, and also bad for everyone else. Um, but, but yeah, the other um, massive thing was when I was a teenager, I remember when I understood punchlines, like when I'd hear a song five times and I'd listen to it over and over again, because I, I don't know, I, I liked the beat or I liked yeah. the way someone said a certain line or the chorus. And then I'd be listening to the verse and then I'd finally figure out the punchline. And mm. in that one moment when I was a teenager and I was being bullied at high school and I was in all these bottom sets and stuff, it felt like simultaneously like I was the cleverest person on planet Earth. Nice. And also like um this, this, this the rapper. Yeah. yeah, it was it was also like what I love 
is that it feels like you're friends with the rapper at that point. You understand yeah. what they've tried to tell you and you've picked up on that. Right. Right. And 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 you're like, "Wow, I've uncovered this thing and this is why it makes like tons of sense." And it's like after you do that, it's like I don't know, someone like listening to you or there's someone there. It's like you've connected. I've I've connected with an American rapper who's robbed people and openly talks about that and I'm a skinny ginger kid from the north of England who has this accent. <laughs> And in that one moment, I understand what he's saying and what he's written, and he's written it for someone like me to understand. Sure. And it's that connection that will never, I will probably never meet that person and be able to say, you know that verse that you did for that song, I understood what you meant. But in that one moment, I, you know, it's like a connection. And I found that just insane. So it's like if I put a reference into one of my raps that's like about a niche video game that I love yeah. or about some mental thing and a kid or someone is walking along listening to the song and they pick up on it and they're like, whoa, 12-gauge said this thing about this thing, so that means that he played this thing and I played that and I love that. Yeah. Then it's like, boom, they've got that connection in that one yeah. moment and it's that feeling that I love. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. there we go. That's I've me, John. That was your really short answer to that question, Karen. Very important. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, yeah, like, it's, it's so cool though. Like music, music does that. Like it, it, yeah. it you know, I, I love, I love Wu Tang just as much as as the next guy, but yeah. I can't relate to anything that they're talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about. You know, I yeah. you know, grew up uh, in you know um, in South Carolina, so like I didn't, mm. I didn't experience the same type of things that they experienced. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. New York, and it's just a different. It's a different type of um, different vibe, you know. Yeah, yeah like, and yeah. I can't relate to it, but at the same time, listening and diving into it, it's like, oh, like yeah. I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I'm not by any means going to say that I'm right there with you because <laughs> I, yeah. I can't. <laughs> but like, yeah, exactly. I get it. So the struggles, the uh, the yeah. prejudice, the you name it. Like I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's that whole thing. Like I I thank rap for so much because if it wasn't for rap, I wouldn't have half of the understanding that I do. Yeah. I I will never experience what I've heard on songs. Right. But knowing that someone else has been through that, that gives you a level of sort of like, holy crap, yeah. there are issues beyond me. And hearing that as a teenager when you're so you can quickly fall into being so self like obsessed and i mean that in like the most you know caring way possible because when when you're a teenager and all you care about is you that means that you find flaws in everything that you do right and sure. you you know all that stuff um and listening to all these rappers talking about how, you know, their friends had like tragically been shot or how they were treated right. by police or anything right. like this. And I started to get that understanding quite at an early age. Like the jewel thing was yeah. like simultaneously prison is not a good place, which was really good for me to learn at the time that I learned it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was the, you know, there are issues outside of me and there are issues that are bigger than me. And at the end of the day, I should feel incredibly lucky despite the hardships that I went through and all the shit that I went through. I should feel incredibly lucky and, you know, um, happy 
to be me and not experience half of the stuff that I was hearing on songs. And then also the other thing is like, and they sound that cool and that confident and, you know, they're still, you know, making songs and doing all this stuff, even though it's for them. Right. And I can get through this crappy day at school. Sure. And that was like kind of a lot of the things that rap gave me. Yeah, definitely. Are you all okay? So okay, so what other we we have like three more questions for you all, and then you all can okay. Um, uh, can I before we carry on? Can I please go back to my alien comment about it not being a horror <laughs> film because it's been on yeah. my mind because the, can, what I, happened with me? I, I can I watched, see you like oh okay, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched Aliens first with my dad when I was nine. Because uh-huh. that's the sort of father that I had. Right. But it was a whole family. <laughs> right. There were the whole family in the front room, and we watched Aliens, and it was terrifying. But I also because it was so gun, it was all guns. It was exciting. It was such mm. an exciting film. I thought it was scary, and I've never ever considered Aliens a horror film. And because I watched Aliens first, and then I went back to Alien, uh, um, it wasn't a horror film because I knew the monster. And the horror in that film comes from not knowing the monster. Oh, yes. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So right, that's yeah. why I've never ever considered it a horror film, even though when my when it came out, my dad said it was the scariest film he'd ever seen. Yep. It's because mm-hmm. you can't go back to that moment in time, can you, and experience it like other people right, experienced yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It is a genius exactly. film. It's absolutely amazing. But like the horror within that film was all about the keeping the alien secret. Whereas yeah. Te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's still a horrifying film now. Right, yeah, yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. Alien, if you know the alien, it's not quite as frightening. But mm. you knew the yeah. aliens and aliens, the second one. So that Pardon? Was, I, I, I said, so you knew the aliens in the in the sequel. So that was yep. like considered a horror movie, but not okay. Yeah, and yeah, because in Aliens, well, no, because like the alien, what's terrifying about it is that it is alien. It like how it breeds. It's got acid for blood. It's this creature that right. you've never seen, and yet when you see the second one, they all get blasted to pieces. So it's <laughs> right. not it's not yeah. this indestructible creature where it is in the first yeah. one. So like right. going backwards, it kind of ruins it watching the second one first. Because right. mm. yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. anyway, I had to. I feel better <laughs> oh, now. Let's carry okay. on. With okay. The okay. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, you know, my mom had a very uh, similar experience to that uh, because she said that when Jaws came out, she was, uh, you know, like a teenager, I believe, and you yep. know, and she said that one of the scariest things about it was you didn't see the shark for yep. the longest time. It was mm-hmm. just you are yeah. strictly going off of the fact that people are just. <clears throat> sucked into the water and yep. you can't really even see anything um but uh and my mom was a, a big like horror movie uh kind of mm. buff one of the most like devout christian women that's ever walked this entire <laughs> but horror, horror movies movie. was good yeah. friday the 13th yeah. like yeah. uh texas chainsaw massacre watched all of it when i was like that's well cool she would edit yeah, it yeah. she figured out a way to edit it to where that's like, what my dad did awesome. my dad right. took out the worst Amazing. bits Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> found a way that made it safe for us us to watch it, and then you know, kind of like kickstarted all that. Uh, meanwhile, I was like terrified of Thriller uh, whenever I was a kid. I wouldn't watch the music video. Me too. Would not watch it. I was like, nope, terrifying, too scared not to do it. Terrifying yeah. video when you're like six or seven, you know. So, yeah. yeah, and I remember with Jaws, I used to be terrified of a bath in case Jaws came out of a plug. Yes, that was a genuine fear that I had. Yep, yep. Yeah. He's gonna find a way to come up through the pipes. And yeah. Gonna- <laughs> this giant shark. 
Yeah. It didn't make any sense. And then I discovered <laughs> Freddy Krueger and then there was yeah, no help for me because like, oh, no. he got you in your dreams. So I used to sleep in the same bed sleep. as my brother yeah. in between the walls. So the wall was there. My brother was there and I'd sleep there. So then if Freddy came, at least I had a 50% chance he'd get my brother <laughs> before <laughs> me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, because I was terrified of Freddy. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Freddy yeah. was absolutely... <laughs> Because, yeah, that was that's such a horrific idea and a terrifying idea with Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Like, can get you in your dreams. Like, there's no safety anywhere. I used to, <laughs> well, after watching that movie, for, you know, Freddy won, um, uh, I, I, I used to sleep in my mom and dad's bed. And it's like, well, mm. we're tired of you sleeping. Now. If you can go two weeks without sleeping with us, you'll get a dog. And three weeks later, we got a dog. So I did my oh, dog. Good I did, I, I did <laughs> my part. Yeah, so I had one job and I, and I nailed it. <laughs> Uh, nice work. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Callum, how old are you, if I might ask? Uh, I'm 24. Okay, so I figured um, me and your dad are closer to the same age. I'm 42. Are oh, I'm 43, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so you remember the attitude era of WWE wrestling. I'm straight. Era, the best era. I'm a big, yeah, I'm a big wrestling fan, but nice. it's no. not quite as simple as that, not like with any story. So I'll let you ask your question before I go on a ramble. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay, so, <laughs> Calum, you missed out on, like, the best era ever, 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 ever. Yeah. Um, but um, I found out that y'all uh, covered or redid the song, John Cena's song, with mm. uh, w- with Russell Talk TV. Yep. So, right, yeah. yeah. With, with, uh, that's not, that's Adam Blampede, right? Blampied? Blampede? Uh, uh, Adam Blampied, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We okay, did yeah. it with Laurie Blake. Yeah, Laurie Blake. Yeah, Laurie Blake. Right? Yeah. Laurie Blake, yeah. Um. So how, how how did all that come together? Because I know that 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 that, uh, that uh, your okay. your crew Dreadnought and I think your name is No Tricks. And no so Tricks no... and Dreadnought, yes. yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I know that they helped you with the musical. I mean the with, with music access, but uh, you and um and um oh, I forgot his name already. Mm. Um, Laurie Blake. L- L- Thank you. Sir. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, just call him. Call him whatever you want. Stephen. Oh, call yeah. him Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen. <laughs> Steve, okay. Yeah. Uh, y'all and Lori Blake rewrote John Cena's theme. So how did mm. that come together? And has John Cena okay. uh, contacted you about it? And, uh, you know. I'm going to okay. go first, Callum. Please do. Right. You, just, Please you do. talked for ages then, Callum. Yeah. So it's my turn. I know. That's, hey, it, it was about rap. Hey, man, it's all yeah, about yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so here, uh, right, okay, there needs to be a bit more. I need to, uh, I oh, can't please, just do the explanation. Do, please do what you do. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, when I was growing up, I loved wrestling. So, like, my dad introduced me to wrestling when I was free, and Hulk Hogan versus yes. Andre the Giant. When he body slammed him, that was like, what oh, the uh, hell? Uh, when I was three yeah, years old, yeah. And so I always watched it, and then I kind of fell out of love with it when I was eleven. Right. And um, but then I got back into it when Austin and Mankind and Triple H, that magical moment, the Attitude Era, Rock, like yeah. when stuff was just insane every night and austin he still is the greatest he may not be the best wrestler but he was the greatest like the crowd reaction when he came out as soon as the glass broke that was just immense and even at home you were like yeah she's coming like i don't know why it was just like he just outdid it even today like yeah because we'll see the best thing about of course steve austin is he he will to his boss's ass every, every yeah show. he did <laughs> yeah no he, he kind of everybody wanted to you know because everybody hits your boss sometime you know 
I know, then, but like I didn't have a boss when he was out, so I don't yeah, know if yeah. that was what it was. <laughs> but well, for I me, just loved it. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, I just loved his no nonsense. Yeah. He was just like, "This is what I am. This is what I'm going to do. I don't care." It was just tough, but he was a bad guy and he was a good guy all at once, and he was yeah. just like this awesome person. But then there was like Mick Foley, who was a, the kindest, most lovable in Maniac, it and it was yeah. like everything yeah. was just amazing at that time. It was like gold, and so I loved wrestling up until then. But then. Like it all started like dying away and Triple H had his huge reign and it's like, yeah. what's going on? And I kind of lost interest in it. Um, yeah. And so I gave up on wrestling again. This goes back to the music again. Yeah. But then in 2017, me and Callum discovered NJPW. Um, nice. Are you fans of NJPW yes, at all? I am. I am. Yes. Oh, and it was just like a breath. Of, it was just like, oh, my God, what the hell hair. is this? Yeah, because yeah, I remember going back and it's like the Kurt Angle uh, Chris Benoit, um, Chris Jericho, they all had this energy about them with the wrestling and like, that's what NJPW is. It's like, it's right. just a pure wrestling. And so when me and Callum discovered that, like Shabbat is one of my heroes, like in 2017, uh, and we just discovered it and we just got so invested in it, but it's really influenced our music as NJPW because the yeah. effort that they put into the ring and the speed that they go at, it's like, if you can reflect that when you're on stage, the audience picks up on it because you're knackered, but like it's like so we've really taken a lot from NJPW. So we put in every ounce of energy on stage. Yeah. So like, um, so we really, really took influence, and I'm, I don't mean just a little bit. Like our first album is like um, designed like a wrestling match. Like right, yeah. if we can talk you through how it goes, right. like it into it, Callum. Um, yeah. But also like how the back and forth the switching in the raps goes. It's like it we it's just like a wrestling match. It's momentum on each side. And it's like, yeah, it's so crazy to try and explain how we see yeah. this. Oh, no, but yeah, no. so, so that really, really influenced us. And then when the pandemic happened and everything closed down, it was like heartbreaking. It was genuinely heartbreaking because wrestling and computer games, because I've studied screenwriting. I know all about music. I studied creative writing. Books don't work for me anymore. I find myself studying everything that I read. If I listen to something, it needs to be spectacular for me to switch my brain off and not pay attention. If it's a film, I'm studying every shot, every line. Why did they do that? All the mistakes and stuff. So like wrestling and video games and video games are getting destroyed by microtransactions and just all stuff. So it's only independent or, games yeah. that really matter. Horrible. So wrestling, wrestling was the last thing, the very last thing that I knew I could not go out and do. And it's always like magic and it always draws you in. And so when yeah. the pandemic came and it shut everything down, it was genuinely heartbreaking. But then New Japan mentioned that they were going to come back. They said, we're coming back. Would you like to create a 15 second message for us uh, online? So me and Callum. Callum didn't believe in this idea, so Callum can, I didn't, I Callum didn't. can apologize yeah. to me. I said, <laughs> Callum, we can write a 15-second rap, which is just amazing. And Callum's like, what? And so we, d we did genuinely manage to write the world's greatest 15-second rap, and it's really cool. I'm really proud of it. Mm. Um, and, and New Japan ended up using it within their show and yeah. stuff and retweeting it. And then uh, Will Ospreay retweeted it. Jay White retweeted it. And then um, Laurie Blake followed us on Twitter. And then everything yeah. went silent for a while. And we just oh. carried on doing what we're doing and doing what we're doing. And then out of the blue one day, Laurie got in touch. And he said, could you guys possibly help me with a rap? Because, like, on the WrestleTalk channel, they do um, uh, what they call, Callum, when they get it wrong. Um, oh, um, 
punishments isn't yeah it? they do like punishments i can't remember yeah. the proper name but they do punishments one of them has been to do cover versions of songs and so there's been some really embarrassing cringy ones on there <laughs> and laurie did not want that to happen so he came no, to right, us and yeah. said can you possibly rewrite john cena's finger to make it cool as possible and so we did what what he asked and we we did it as good as possible um and yeah and that's how that came about but also we kind of brought down wwe i'd like to think that we brought down wwe because in our last little thing in the end of it we talk about vince mcmahon ruining everything and like how he's destroying everything and then six months later he's gone yeah coincidental okay yeah yeah Now we'll go past that. True. We can check the timeline and everything. Yeah. Can check it the was. lyrics. And yeah. we even predicted Stone Cold coming back. Like See? that was in yeah, the lyrics. Back. You guys yeah, are prophets. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it was crazy. But yeah, it was crazy how we wrote it. Because when we wrote it, we wrote about it like the roster not taking yeah. it anymore. And then Naomi and I don't know if it was Naomi. I know Sasha Banks and someone else walked out. And it's like we predicted these things. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. yeah, it was just but yeah, so that's how that came about. And it was awesome fun. And like yeah. going into a wrestling ring and like shooting the video yeah. was just really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it was a really cool day. And like actually working on it was really cool. And yeah. the other mad thing I think with wrestling, because like <gasps> I study. Uh, you asked if John Cena had seen it. That was the thing. And he hasn't. We tweeted him. Oh, we tweeted him. And you never. No, he's, he was too scared to like come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was really yeah. busy with peacemaker so it, he was really busy. Yeah. yeah yeah but yeah but like, i thought that would have been awesome if it if he if he would have replied if we yeah, could have done same. something with cena we could have destroyed that, that would have been awesome Alan. then he could have murdered us in a ring we were like we were shocked about everything we there, mm, yeah. we couldn't predict what matches and and, and nowadays yeah. like Okay, he's coming out, boom, and he came out and whooped yeah, his yeah. ass, and it's like it's like garbage now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Go on. Oh, I was going to say it was kind of like a punk show. Every yes. Roy's yeah. war was like madness. Yeah, you didn't know what was going on, and just every it was just amazing to watch and the emotion and mm-hmm. stuff yeah. of like watching these people win and lose, and yeah. it's so crazy, isn't it? Because like. I studied screenwriting and I love stories. So I've like proper learned how stories work. And I always find wrestling so fascinating, especially Japanese wrestling, because yeah. American wrestling tends to have all the stories about girlfriends and stuff. And it's like, you can create stories out of that. But in uh, Japanese wrestling, we tend to just have stories which are created through wins and losses. And it's just amazing to me how by these two binary outcomes, like win or lose, you create year-long stories that get you so invested right. that it's it's just crazy. But like it's only wins and losses and a belt, which is a prop, and yet you get so invested in it. It's mm. just I find it absolutely amazing. I call it combat theater because I don't like how people yeah. refer to it as fake because no. those guys are damaging themselves and injuring themselves and oh, stuff. God, yeah. and so, I, I really, really like the term combat theater because it kind of captures what like they're really, really doing. Because it's yeah. you're being told a story which is taking genuine like effort and skill yeah. and training and yeah, I don't know. So I could talk about this forever. I'm so sorry. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I always watched. Um, I always liked uh, Japan wrestling better because they actually treat it like sport. Because you don't hear yeah. yeah. When, when they're wrestling, you don't hear a peep from the crowd. Amer- America, mm. we're pretty dumb because we have science and. You know, cheers mm. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Japan treats it like an echo sport, which it should be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like in Japan, it's easy to believe in. Everyone knows right. that it's not necessarily real, 
but because they treat it like it's real, then it's like mm. you you watch it and you're like you're proper drawn in. Whereas in America, you've got these silly storylines which don't really help. But then you've also got everyone leaking things all the time and telling yeah. secrets, and it's like, what are you doing? You're just ruining this like thing that should yeah. be amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 It's just so like, a, it's yeah. a different art form that not not everybody's into. It's just it's yeah. like you know some people. Mm. I love I love video games that have a great story. Um, yes, and, you know, and yeah. I consider some video games that I've played like watching a movie and watching the story unfold mm. or reading yeah. a book. Yeah. That's just you're you're wrapped up in it, and you know that's not everybody's cup of tea, and that's fine. And that's mm-hmm. the same with wrestling. You're absolutely right. There's a story driven there that uh, not everybody's going to be into, but to some yeah. people. They're very passionate about it, and they they follow these stories, and they they keep up with it, and mm. um, yeah, it's just another art form. Yeah, yeah it is. Well. It is just an art form. It's just very yeah. frustrating. I'm going to talk over you as much as possible now, Cam. You talk far too long. Ago, so <laughs> Thanks. I'm Thanks, just sir. hijacking everything now. But yeah, nice. no, no. Sorry, it's because we talk about wrestling, Callum. I can't help it. Right. But yeah, I, I, I really, yeah, wrestling. I really believe wrestling is an art form, and I don't think it gets the credit that it deserves. Because yeah. it's just like immense. Because the thing that really annoys me, I'm sorry, I need to go down this path now. The thing that really annoys me is you've got all these people who consider film stars and films. They're like, oh, yeah, I love this film, but wrestling is stupid. It's fake. And it's yeah. like, what the hell? This film, they've got a million takes. They can got special effects and stuff. Yeah. With wrestling, they're doing it there in front of you. You're hearing the chops. You're seeing them fall. You're seeing all this stuff. Yeah. That's treated for some reason in such a yeah. worse way than a film. Yeah. Like yeah, I, don't, I really don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the like thing. Watching, yeah, it's like going yeah. to watch a play. You're, you're. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mm. all live. There's one take. It's not yeah. like oh, messed up. Let's do it again. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah, like it's all right then and there. So sometimes yeah. they have to think on their feet, and you know things don't yeah. go as planned, and you got to have to. I, you know, yeah. work around it. I always say when when uh, somebody tells me that wrestling fake, I'm like, you get hit by a ladder, I'm still trying to see how that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that, you know? I, yeah, so that makes me so, yeah. you know kind of mad. I'm like. You do what they do and see if you're okay with it. You know, yeah. next day. No, no. Guys do it three, yeah. six, and five days a year. No breaks, like like 10, 10, 10 days home. Mm. And the rest, yeah. the rest on, you know, yeah. so it's... Yeah, it's, yeah. The, the level, the, me and Callum are genuinely really inspired by wrestlers. We take mm. a lot yeah. of what they do and yeah. put it into our live shows like that. The, what mm. we love... I'm so, I will t- let you talk in a moment, Callum. I'm so sorry. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what we really love, like especially in New Japan, and we're starting to do it more in America now because the styles are like kind of crossing over and there's lots yeah. of this that they're starting to like merge. Mm-hmm. But it's like the effort that you see, there's those points in matches where you can see that they're dead, yet they dig deeper and they keep going and going. And, and it's like seeing all that sweat, seeing that effort, it has an effect on you as a viewer. And so me right. and Callan try and put that into our live shows. We push ourselves to the absolute limit. When we play a gig, we don't mm. have breaks. Every song leads into the next song, into right. the next song, into the next song. And the more that you do that, you create like this energy within the audience mm. and stuff. And also on stage, we are, we do the face and heel thing. Like I'm the bad guy. I can mm. say whatever I want to Callum as mean as I want because it makes the audience get behind Callum, but that in turn makes them get behind me. So it's like there's this mm-hmm. psychology going on as well, and it's like it's not as simple as just playing music. It's see, like, that's the right. best. See, that's the best thing about being here. You can do anything you want to. The good guy mm-hmm. has yeah. to not do not do anything, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah, so that's great. great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I will now let you talk, Callum. Thank you. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's also really cool because like. Like Dad said, um, we started watching NJPW, and it was like this awesome, like thing for me because 
I'd only seen like occasional matches from like Attitude Era or like <clears> the <throat> Austin highlight video that Dad used to have, and I used to watch that all the time because I loved watching Vince get the shit kicked out of him, and it became this like this thing where I just I didn't watch it for ages. I think the moment when I dipped back into it was the CM Punk pipe bomb, and that was only because it felt like he was actually saying everything that was wrong with WWE. But then, you know, everything we know now with AEW and all that stuff, CM Punk doesn't seem like the best person. But, um, yeah, um, but the massive thing that, like, wrestling proper gave me, it was A, the effort that I should be putting in. That it's like, if I'm dripping in sweat and you've not moved for this gig, I want you to feel like crap because I'm dripping in sweat for your entertainment and you've not moved an inch. That was one aspect, but the other one was like heels, because like yeah, on on stage, me and dad are heel. Like dad's the heel, I'm the face, because that's right. the easiest. You, you you get behind the sun, da da Yeah, yeah. But heels gave me a really good way to view my creativity and my music, because I feel like when you're a musician, especially in England, I think I'm, I'm not too sure. I've not talked to many American artists about it, but there's a massive thing in England where it's like either you're making money or you're not. And that is the binary thing that decides are you a successful artist or are you not? Right. Right. And it's really easy, I think, for people to either A, look at it like, yeah, I've made money, da 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 da, I'm the best thing that's ever happened. Or B, look at it like, I'm not making money, so I'm just a shit musician then. Hmm. Yeah, and right, yeah. heels in wrestling gave me a way of viewing what I create. Like that intro that you gave for us and like listed all of that. Sh- I think it would be very easy for me as a kid and a teenager who was told he could never be a rapper mm. to look at that list and be like, you know what? F- you, I'm the best thing that's ever happened. Right. And it'd be really easy, I think, to fall into that state of looking at things and think I don't have to try because I've already proved everything and the way that heels are it taught me that yeah I should view it like I am good I am great in my own opinion right because because realistically at the end of the day you're the only one who's got your own back Right. Yeah. And you, you you're the only one yourself, who's in you know. your own corner. Right. So it's like I, I will walk around and say, I think I'm a great rapper right. because I write the stuff I want to listen to. Right. Yeah. And Yeah, because But then it's also yeah, it's it's the flip of it is like, yeah, that doesn't mean I'm gonna do the full on heel shit of like at your gig when you're on stage, I'm gonna be stood there like I'm better. Yeah. Better than you. Give me the mic. I'm gonna run <laughs> up and like <laughs> Fucking give yeah. you a low blow on stage, yeah. Give me yeah. yeah. I think. Oh, so yeah. go on, Callum. Jump. Well, can no. I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, no. I think no. One of the things that wrestling's really taught us, like especially from promos, like mm. how Austin talks, like yeah, yeah. how any of them talk. There's a yeah. special way of talking, and so that's re- also re- replicated on stage. It's like you show no weakness. You yeah. build yourself up. You build up this thing. It becomes bigger yeah. than. It's like larger than life, and so we've yeah. really taken on the that. Uh, FMA is Matthew Bennett, but he's also he's this is is this character that I've created, the one that was built from years of pain and years of isolation, and that's also the story of Matthew Bennett. 
but it's it's exaggerated to a point where it's like yeah. this maniac on stage, this person dripping his sweat, this person screaming, this 43-year-old man who should not be doing these things on stage who's outperforming people half his age. Um, mm. Do you yeah. see what I mean? It all right. builds like that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's real. I think that's what Callum's talking about when he says he's yeah. a rapper. It's that arrogance that comes from wrestlers. You have to say yeah. that. Because yeah. if you don't say that, mm. you you are weak. That character is weak, and you need to be viewed as strong all the time. Yeah. Uh, so well, yeah, we've really hijacked this question now, Callum. But go yeah, on. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got another thing. Um, <laughs> no, I think I I also think like a kind of a tangent off of that is it's like a lesson that like I really want to more not not more than like kind of up there with everyone should be creative. I think everyone who is creative in any sense, you should be your own greatest fan. Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't just sit there and endlessly like like listening to Eminem and like comparing yourself to that. You're not Eminem, you're you. And you right. should enjoy what you do. And that's what I mean by I am the greatest rapper because right. I'm me. Yeah. I technically like I mean like someone else can love someone else they will have their own greatest rapper. But for me, I am because it's like, I had this thought the other day where I was walking along and I was like, what would Tupac think of himself? Yeah. Mm. Right. He, right. he, he wouldn't walk along and be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an all right rapper. It's Tupac. He walked along <laughs> and be like, I'm the greatest <laughs> thing that ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a way of doing that and still being humble about yeah. it. I think it's finding that, line that you're not arrogant you understand everyone has their own creative voice and you can never be like anyone else right but that also means that your individualism makes you stronger and you should be really proud of it it's like i used to hate the fact that i had a northern accent and anytime i'd hear myself on an interview i'd be like oh god uh, right. uh, I sound yeah. like English. Yeah. how do you think uh, i feel Oh god! I sound, like yeah. a, I sound like a hick like <laughs> <laughs> go back and listen to these and i'm like that's how that's how i feel like I said, all, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what's going on everybody welcome to you know, like, i know exactly yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah yeah i get it but yeah it's, it's that yeah. thing where now i think i've grown older and i've watched all these wrestlers and like will osprey going in the ring mm-hmm. and like saying the most british swear words and being the most british <laughs> thing i've ever seen in a ring him and zach saber jr and i was like yeah i've got nothing like i'm just me and I can't change that. So I may as well be proud of it. And I may as well be proud yeah. of the things that I can do that I know that other people can't do. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that doesn't mean that I, I walk along and I'm there like, yeah, I'm better than you because of that. It just means to have that arrogance of a heel where it's like, yeah, yeah I'm proud of that. I'm and, the best me that I can be. Right, yeah. I'm right. the best me that I can be. And I think that's a really, I think, I think that's a good like message to anyone mm-hmm. with anything. If, if you're, uh, you know, whatever, whatever art form, or even if it's not even an art, uh, just a- anything in general, like it, it's yeah. good to be your toughest critic, but at the same time, you need to be your biggest fan. Uh, yeah, yeah I think- that's what I was going to say. Goes, you got to be your biggest fan sometimes because I, I have depression, and even though mm-hmm. I might get like twenty, you know, hey man, you're awesome. You, I love you. I love your stuff. You know, this thing inside yeah. my head says, no, you're not. You're, yeah. you're enough. Yeah, you know? and you yeah. gotta, you gotta, you gotta say no. I'm, you know, I'm gonna, you know. Put you in the head yeah. and I'm going to go. Yeah. So you got to be your biggest fan at the end of the day, day no matter what, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. It's exactly. a battle. It can be a genuine like, battle. Horrible, but yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, but you need to weigh it up because there's that evil voice, the one which just draws you down and like reminds you of everything bad and tells you how awful you are. But right. you need to create that voice, which is like, I'm proud of that. I really did well there. I did that. And it needs to be balanced. And that's like the yeah. hard thing. Um, yeah. 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 So we do have two more questions. I know I said that like, like way back when, but uh, I know each one of these is going to take an worry, hour. This is going to be the longest episode <laughs> in the world. I love this. I love this. Okay. So with four singles, what EP and what album in your catalog? Uh, mm. Is there was there any song that was like so hard to write time write that you're like ah this won't work but you kind of fandango with it sometimes and you're like okay this was like the greatest thing you know the greatest thing ever. And I I think we're both gonna have uh, separate answers here. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the four singles that we're releasing right now they are it doesn't seem like it right now but they are part of a bigger project. Okay um it's just this project is huge so we can't do it all in one go but as time passes it will become more obvious what is going on because we've got a we've got an idea that's all i'm going to say but one of the songs to come uh took me nine months to write i mean it might be nine months or maybe longer but it took 90 pages of notes which were then refined into another 90 pages i don't know this thing was insane the song i hated it it was genuinely frustrating and hard work and the reason it was such hard work is because the album that we are releasing bit by bit is is i can't really say anything can i call i'll go i'll go hold on hold on (laughs) no no just let me say there is an arc to it and so it held a specific place within the Mm. album and but yeah that it's called the machine it's going to be months and months before it's out but i've never written a song which has driven me so mad left me so drained had so many variations and gone through so many changes there was spectrum was hard work our charity song that only took three months on we both worked on that but this song the machine was mainly mine and yeah yeah, i've never uh, yeah when it was i don't know i just it was kind of a blur was that song like yeah it hurt hurt my head did that song (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah for me um i i i also wasn't being just like yeah 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 dad stop talking um (laughs) because also i know how much we both love this upcoming album and how we both are really struggling at the moment with not turning around to people and being like, this is the thing. And yeah. us being like, this is why we're so proud. Yeah. But anyway, the, I would say the hardest thing that I've had to write is everything I've had to write with FMA. Right. <laughs> because guaranteed, <laughs> guaranteed, this is usually how it'll go is it'll be like, okay, for instance, that like 15 second rap that we wrote for NJPW. Yeah. I, I walked downstairs one day and dad's just stood there and he's like, Callum, I've heard about this thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to write the world's greatest 15 second rap. And you did. <laughs> and then that is, that is, that is the pitch that I get. Okay. And I'm Got like, it. okay. Awesome. All right, dad. Yeah. Okay. Let's and go. then I, yeah, um, there's been, what is it? There was also, um, yeah, when we did the Laurie Blake song, the pitch was, Callum, we're going to write the best wrestling parody song. 
that no. we've ever written. Don't yeah. want to write the third best. No. Well, yeah, I, I do. I do. I get it. But he's, he's he doesn't right, need to I be mean, up here. Yeah, yeah. Kind of <laughs> I um, I think that a lot of things um have been difficult for a lot of different reasons. I'd say that because of how early this began. Like I was fifteen when FMA and Twelve Gauge started, so mm-hmm. almost a decade this band has been going for now. Um, right. but. It it's had like I I genuinely see it as like I've had like a character arc throughout everything that we've made and you can genuinely pinpoint it. Right. So it's like our very first things, I was getting used to my own voice. Mm-hmm. You can obviously tell that I'm fifteen years old. And then our first album, I'm like eighteen years old. And I've kind of gotten a bit more to grips with my voice, but I'm a teenager and I had like my first long-term committed relationship during that album. And, you know, I I could go and get beer and stuff like that. So I'm a lot of that first album. I didn't understand the commitment you had to make when it was creating something. A lot of that was FMA and dad, like picking up the pieces of a teenage me that was like, Dad, I want to go and chill out with my mates. Don't want to work on my rap album. God, uh. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and yeah. then, like, and then you know, we released you know another EP, like the takeover, and you can hear my development through that. How I've started rhyming stuff, and then with this new one, um, I think genuinely this new album, not only technically writing wise, it's been incredibly difficult. Yeah. As I'm sure anyone can hear through the you know first four songs we've released from it. Or is it free? Free songs, I think. Free songs. The first three songs that we've released from it, you can hopefully people can hear how much I've developed and how much everything's progressed. But also, like I was saying before about rap, when I was during the first album and during the beginning of this, I was rapping to prove that I could rap. Yeah. To all the people who said that I couldn't do it. And then it kind of felt like really weirdly after the first album, after parental advisory, it felt weirdly like, well, I've proven it now. Right. Yeah. Right. What is there left then? Yeah. If that was my sole purpose, all I'm doing is rapping about how I can rap. And yeah. there's nothing more. It doesn't go beyond that. And during this album, I had to, I think, be incredibly personal for me, at least. I had to open up to a point like I talked about you know like trauma and things that i had never really rapped about before like the like that first long-term relationship ending because you know i wanted to create stuff and it just didn't fit in and then writing about that and finding a way that i was comfortable and like feeling open because it it's very weird because i think starting out as a teenager and just rapping about rap and how i can rap it left me very sort of like, I wouldn't say limited, but I didn't feel comfortable being completely open in songs. But then that was what I started off doing when I was writing in the back room of my mum's house and writing about how people bullied me and how it made me upset. So I kind of see it as this is like the most difficult things and it's not through the technical aspect. Like I can sit there and rhyme words to a beat, you know, until... I don't know if the world ends, but yeah. right um, to actually like find a way where I am comfortable talking about something and being like, okay, because 
a, a very big difficulty which I've had throughout FMA in 12 gauge is that literally, so from 15 years old, I've been in FMA in 12 gauge. Mm -hmm. And that has meant that there is 12 gauge like this character, like Dad was saying about FMA when he's on stage. So there is this character and this heightened version of myself when I'm on stage. Right. And then there's all of that, you know, crap that Dad was talking about, like confidence issues, all this other stuff, mm -hmm. which I've now learned to just push to the side when I'm on stage. Right. But when it comes to like songs and like, you know, getting to that really deep shit that, you know, people could, it could help people or people could connect with. I had this very defined barrier of like, nope, that's Callum shit. And you yeah. get 12 gauges shit. 12 yeah. gauges great all the time. You don't get Callum shit. And yeah. I think this new album is definitely, it has been difficult as me learning to just let people in as much as I'm comfortable with letting them in. Nice. And that yeah. was my very long-winded way of answering yeah. a question. We're now, it took us a year to write the lyrics, and now we're in the second year of working on it. So, like, yeah. it's big as this thing that we've been <laughs> yeah. doing. So hopefully one day it'll be finished. Hopefully, fingers well, crossed. It's, and it's so cool, like, to hear you guys talk about, like, the, you know, how long you guys have been doing this, and, um, you know, you're, you're 15, and you know, music is like a really is is a really cool like time capsule in a lot of ways. And uh, you know, and, and you hear like I've I've heard bands talk about albums that they released twenty years ago, and they're like, you know, we're not the same people that we were back then. And then and they want to like write it off like they never like they don't they don't want any kind of association with it. I'm like yeah, but twenty years ago that album meant a lot to me, and it helped me get through some just really like tough. Oh yeah, just like Paramore, right. you know, they got rid yeah, of the song. Misery business yeah. and brought it back. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, yeah. And then brought it back, right? Yeah, yeah so yeah, it's so like, so okay, well, I don't know what y'all are doing, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, there's a there there could be another like 15 year old, but you know, now now that you're not 15, but there could be another 15 year old 15 year old today that could hear that and be like, I I relate to that, and that yeah. that speaks volumes to me. Um, and and you know, it's just it's cool. Like I, I love to see it. I love yeah. to see how music. Uh, it, like as musicians like evolve kind of as their music evolves and matures with them too and and just can turn into such yeah. a, a cool thing and yeah. just yeah life experiences it's oh. it's like i i love it now like yeah. looking back and hearing all that stuff of yeah. like me and my really nasally voice and being like <laughs> yeah i think 12 gauge woo um yeah but all that stuff which at the time when i first recorded it and i was like oh god I'm so like, oh God, no, no, don't, don't play that for me. Like now, I, I listen back to it and I'm like, wow, there is actual documented things yeah. of me when I was 15, and even earlier than 15. And yeah. it's, I think it also weirdly ties into the wrestling thing of like because I do screenwriting too, like Dad did at university, and I'm in a master's course now doing it, but. I see there being a very weird thing with artists where I see them almost like characters and I see that as myself yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's right. like 12 gauge as a character, he has an arc and things have affected him and he has changed because of those things. So it's yeah. like yeah. he started off rapping with his dad and he fucking loved it because it was his dad and his superhero at the time. Right. Yeah. And right. then it, yeah you know, he grows up a bit and starts to realize, hold on, everyone's a person and everyone has their own difficulties. Yeah. And working with this guy is sometimes very annoying in the best <laughs> way possible. 
and right. then it becomes like oh my god and now it's like oh wait but now it seems like a job because i've got you know friends and i can go buy beer and i can you know i've got a girlfriend and i want to do other yeah. things and this is becoming a job and then now it's got to this thing where it's like yeah it's just me and mm-hmm. this is just how i do it and right. then there's the other character stuff but it's like that's how i genuinely view it is that you have a documented story there exactly. with me yeah. That you can listen to like the thing i always said to people about this new album because people came up to me like my friends and stuff and then I, w- I was telling them about it in the most hushed controlled way possible to not reveal anything but i was like oh my god mate it, it, it just kicks the crap out of the last album it's fucking <laughs> amazing and <laughs> and then they'd all turn around to me and be like be careful be careful about what you're saying you know you don't know yeah. and then there's that part of me yeah, where i'm like yeah. like but I'm 24 now. Yeah. yeah. Like, I am an adult. Oh, that felt weird. I am an adult. <laughs> and, I'm old, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah almost, almost, kind of. Right? <laughs> but, yeah, and it's that thing of, like, there has been time that has passed, and I have learned things, and we have both learned things. And I always said it to them as, like, FMA, in my opinion, is fucking amazing and a genius at what he does. Yeah. But he's got there. He knows what he's good at and he knows what he can do and he's fucking good at doing it. It is I this is like my ninth year of discovering what I'm good at. Yeah. yeah. And what I do really well. Yeah. And that was how I described it to people. And that's what I think people will be able to hear in this nice. new album. Well see, like yeah. I said, you know, I mean at, at the end of the day, <clears throat> you gotta be your own biggest fan, you know? And Yeah, exactly. So I mean voices exactly. voices will be a good thing and a bad thing. So Mm. I wonder how. Oh, yeah. I wonder how Randy Orton deals with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back when it was back to me, he's like, yeah, but uh, we do have one more question for you, and I'm gonna let Mister mm. um, Blake answer uh, ask that for you because because this is a question we ask all of our guests anytime they yeah. come on. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So the the title of this entire podcast that we do is called "When Words Fail, Music Speaks." So is there is there anything that you guys listen to that if if there's if there is no way that you could express how it makes you feel, if it's, if you're having a day where you're down in the dumps and you can put on an album or a song uh, that can lift your spirits or either speaks to you in a certain way. And you, you find a very hard way, a very hard time of describing to other people, but you can say, listen to this and you'll understand where I'm at. Is there anything like that? That kind of jumps out at you guys. Do you want to go first? FMA? I've got to quickly search something. Cause I forgot the name of the, no, I don't want to go first. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I've, I've talked for ages, no. Dad. You really want to yeah. talk. Yeah. How dare you just say that to me, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, oh. Okay, okay, so I will say, I will tell you all that this is the hardest question. So y'all are not, you know, I mean. It's I, so funny because this is usually the reaction that we get. Right, whenever which, we, so what mood, which, what mood is it? Whatever. Bad day. Bad day. Bad, day. Oh. Bad day is usually where where it where it's it stands. The from, most, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because there are all. I think with my autism comes some synesthesia, which means my senses are a little mixed up. So mm. certain pieces of music can give me feelings like, uh, unlike anything else. But um, so it, it all depends on what mood you're after. So for example, the first Pokemon movie. 
the battle scene between Bulbasaur and Charizard or whatever, <laughs> the music that plays there gives me goosebumps. And it's yeah. like, that's exciting music. That's mm, like, yeah. I feel alive when that music's playing. But right. then if I need to feel, because it's a lot of the time it's not words that matter to me. It's the music, m- right. music more than anything. And it's like also uh, for Rocky Four, the Rocky Four soundtrack, but not in the film, only on the album, uh, okay. War. It's a song called War. And there's okay. a middle bit where it's just like, it's just so perfectly crafted and it lifts you up and it brings you down. And it, like, right. it keeps thinking it's going to, it's going to break the like waves are going to break and it's suddenly going to crash and it never does. And it's such a masterful piece of music, the very, very middle of it, that it's, yeah. it's just like, unlike anything else, it's a real, like it's, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. But, um, like if it was sad, if it was sad music, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, because it's not like a song. No songs stand out because yeah. all songs are too specific. So right. what the only thing that's coming into my head is music. It's pieces yeah. of music that affect me at different times. Mm. Um, and that while I think of a complete piece of music, I will pass it over to Callum. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so... I had to find the name of the song, but there was a song which I listened to as a teenager. Um, one of my favorite artists of all time is an English uh, kind of rapper called The Streets. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's he got a really English accent, and a lot of the time it is really relatable. He's talking about going down a pub or having issues with your girlfriend. It isn't right. like mental things. And when I was a teenager and I was listening to like gangster rap and Eminem and all these like outlandish to me, outlandish characters yeah, and yeah. being like, how the hell did you go through that? Oh my God. And like for a period of time, um, it almost made me quit because I was like, I can never do this. Right, I yeah, can yeah. never be that. And then my mum bought me, um, well, she just bought randomly because she probably heard a song on the radio she bought one of the streets albums uh a grand don't come for free um the whole album it's like a continuous story and it's literally about him losing a thousand pounds down the back of his tv and it's like that is literally it he's like it breaks up with his girlfriend he takes like too many drugs at a club and it's like so mundane Mm-hmm. when you're like from from england and it's like yeah i can do whatever i want i can you know i can be a rapper if there's a guy out there who's making really cool songs and he's just rapping about going and uh, like to the corner shop and doing all of these really mundane things but he's making really good songs out of it then i can do it but yeah. he had an album called everything is borrowed and that's like his third album and pretty much there's a song on there called on the edge of a cliff mm. uh, and it's um the chorus of it uh it goes something like what was it um since the onset of time every single person in not every single one of your ancestors survived every single person on your mum and dad's side successfully looked after and passed on to you life now what are the chances of that like right. and yeah i heard that when i was a teenager and that song made me like think of like even though I was in like really dark places and I was doing really stupid shit, it made me 
think about like, yeah, what are the chances that it'd be me? Right. And right. what are the chances that dad and my mum would have made me? And yeah. that their parents would have made them to make me. Right. And, you know, it's it's one of those songs and I would say that song is what I'd listen to. Yeah. If it ever was like the lowest of low days. Because like dad said, like I've I've heard so much music music now there's so much random crap yeah. in my head but it's like but it's like i could i could literally wake up one day and be like you know what i'm i'm really sad i want to listen to onyx shout at people or i could be like you know oh i'm really sad i want to listen to kate bush yeah you know yeah. or something yeah. like that uh, but i think i would always go back to the streets and that one song yeah so yes. it would always find a way to get back there nice. yeah Okay, Matthew, did, did, did you think of your... your, your... <clears throat> I don't know, because, like... I don't... Oh, my, my relationship with music is a bit different, because, like, I don't know. I love things which take you on journeys and tell stories and stuff, so I like things that begin as one thing and end as another thing. So I'm a really big fan of albums, not songs. Do you know what I mean? Because the songs right, are just yeah. the bricks that build the album. And I think that's a real sad thing nowadays. That albums are vanishing. Um, and so it's like, yeah, I love one of my favorite ever bands that I mentioned earlier was a prog rock band from the 80s called Marillion. But how they could take you on a journey like which was seven minutes long and go from one place to another, like completely with no choruses or anything. And just like this, this journey of sound, that's the sort of stuff that like speaks to me more than anything else. Starting in one place and going on this entire journey and ending up in a completely different place. They have a song, Demarillion. I can't remember what its name is. It's not one of my favourites, but I love it because you start listening to the song and and it's just like basic, just maybe a synth and vocals. And at no point do you realise that other instruments are joining, but by the end of it, it's this huge, everyone's there, but all the music's there, the drums are there, and it's just massive. And at no point during the journey do you really notice anything else coming in. And that's what I really love. And that's the sort of things that bring me comfort, like soundscapes that like you start out massive and then they slowly disappear until there's just one instrument left. I find stuff like that affects me a lot more than the words that people say, because when someone's singing a song, they're singing about them. They're not singing about me. They're not. Right. It's not. I've, I've felt so alienated throughout my life and I find it very hard to identify with people who rap or sing or, or do all these things because it's like I haven't lived that. That's not yeah. the life that I've lived. But within these sounds, I find that they tell so many stories like like that, like starting in one place and ending in a completely different place. I find stuff like that absolutely mesmerizing and like awesome. And so if someone were to ask me to find like, something that explains how I feel it would be probably be just a piece of music but took you on a real genuine journey because yeah. that's telling a story it's like yeah you can get all these sounds and all this brilliance and then it can all just fade away and just have one sound left and the loneliness that that creates is just immense uh, so yeah so I can't find very I can't I don't have any specific ones in mind but that's the sort of thing that if someone asked me to explain how I felt and I was feeling bad. That's the sort of thing I would say. Listen to this 400-minute piece of music. People <laughs> understand yeah. how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, I love that. That's that's why this question is so hard to answer. Because it's yeah. Like, yeah. what what am I gonna say? You know, because yeah, like just like you. I mean, you have like four million songs in here that there's some something different. 
Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's beautifully put. Yeah, so thank you all for that. Thank you. For that. Thank, you. All right. thank you for asking a question. That was a really cool question. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you. Okay, cool. yeah, of course. Okay. Um, so for all of our listeners, uh, you can find FMA Plus 12 Gauge at FMA12Gauge.bandcamp.com FMA if you want to go to, to their website yep. and purchase yep. their John Cena uh, I guess yes. promo. <laughs> yeah. It's a battle. It's a it's battle a, it's cry a battle. to John Cena, yeah. and he's yes. not answered yeah. it. But pussy. Yeah. But he's yeah. 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 not busy yeah. with James Gunn anymore. Like no, like, he's not. What the hell is yeah. he doing? He's, there's two seen. British people who want to <laughs> battle yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rap battle, John. Yeah, twelve gauge is spelled G A G E, and that's one. The name, and that's one two. Well, the numbers one yeah, two g a g e. The reason can I explain where it comes from? Yes, please. Because yeah. I wanted to call Callum Gage when he was little after the kid in Stephen King's pet cemetery. Yes, oh, yes, uh, that's yeah. Gage. And okay. no, what right? And when his mum went into uh, labour, she just named him after the like ward that they were on, which was Callum. So Gage got put as his middle name, Callum Gage Bennett. Whereas, what, like, uh, if it had been called Gage, no one else would be called Gage, and he'd be so individual right now. Okay, you're yeah. not. You're just like everyone else. Callum. Okay, right. I will. I will voice voice to defend my mum <laughs> from you, Dad. Yes. Um, so yeah, what what my mum says is that my dad decided while my mum was pregnant to show her pet cemetery. Yeah, <laughs> while she is pregnant, and say, "Oh yeah, there's there's this movie. I, I really want to name our baby after a character in this movie." And she's like, "Okay, okay, yeah." And then he proceeds to show her a movie about a two year old coming back to life and killing its parents. Yeah, and but he's so like, cute. And then he's like, "I want to call him after this two year old that's come <laughs> back to kill her parents." And then on the flip side of it, when I'm two years old, there's like photos of me at like two. I look like Gage from Pet Cemetery, like he's oh, like no. the long-haired, like g- ginger kid. Yeah, and yeah. I look like him when he's come back from the dead. Oh, Callum, you'd be so individual, boy, if you were called Gage. I would be. I would be right now. I don't want to imagine high school, but I would be right now. So yes. you know. Well, see now, yeah. now he can say, "Hey, man, I'm going to get called Gage now." Yes, yeah, you could, exactly. because I, I did that with my name, because 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 my name's James Andrew. And my mom yeah. used to call everybody used to call me Andy. Hated that name. So when I moved yeah. to Columbia, <laughs> I'm like I'm James now, and there I yeah yeah. My mom yeah. my mom yeah. can't stand the, word, the the name James, but but, but my dad named me it. So my dad won cool. my dad won the naming war. So yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's and, good. And quick yeah. and quick side note for any any horror movie like fanatics out there uh, that also love music and metal and stuff. So, uh, have you guys heard of the band Ice Nine Kills? No, I haven't. Oh my god. Okay, so they are this. they're they're a newer metalcore band, but they you know a lot their last two albums are all all their songs are based off of horror movies. Cool. Um, so on the latest album, they have a song called Funeral Derangements, and it's based on uh, Pet, Pet Cemetery. Cemetery. Yeah. So, oh, oh cool the music video. That's cool. Yeah, and it's it's great. It's a great song. In yeah. the music video, uh, they kind of recreate the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And for the scene where the trucker is coming down the road, the kid that played Gage is the trucker in the music Whoa. video. Oh, so, cool. Cool. Like, I found that out recently, and I was like, no way. Uh, you got to be kidding me. So, that's awesome. Really cool. Yeah, that's that really, out. really cool. Is yeah. that? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's very impressive. And cool. all the music videos are connected. There's a... Inter- intertwining story that's even cooler like, 
Yeah, yeah it's really cool. Yeah. Go check that's, it out. Awesome. Awesome. Ice Nine Killer. What did you Ice Nine Kills. Ice, ice Nine Kills. Yeah. Ice Nine Kills. Yeah. Ice nine kills. kills. Yeah. I will write that down. For, yeah, mm-hmm. it's so cool. For anybody cool. else who, uh, else listening, you can contact them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under FMA Twelve Number One Two G G A G E. So. Yes. Thank you all so yeah. much again for coming on the show. This was a pleasure. Yeah, no, you. Yeah, no thank yeah, you so yeah, much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was really, really interesting, and your questions yeah. were absolutely amazing. And if you, if you yeah, can yeah. reach out to John Cena, please send him my way. <laughs> I'll see you on way. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so until next time, when words fail, music speaks. Bye, Peace. guys. Bye, guys. Bye, kills. Yeah. I will write that down. For, yeah, mm-hmm. it's so cool. For anybody cool. else who, uh, else listening, you can contact them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under FMA twelve number one two G G A G E. So yes, thank you all so yeah. much again for coming on the show. This was a pleasure. Yeah. No, you. yeah, no, thank yeah, you, so yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it was really, really interesting, and your questions yeah. were absolutely amazing. And if you, if you yeah, can yeah. reach out to John Cena, please send him my way. <laughs> I'll see you on the way, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So until next time, when words fail, music speaks. Bye guys. Bye guys.